All right, everyone, it is time again for Tavern Voices. We are broadcasting from the void in the World Wide Web that has been left by all of the Alex Jones bandwidth that was canceled by all of the major social media networks. So we're just going to steal a part of it and use it. My name is Kevin King, and I'm joined by my good friend, Tyler Crawley. What's up, buddy? Uh, Do we have to pay the dark web to use that bandwidth, or I don't know how that works? It's part of our deep state taxation. Gotcha. Gotcha. We can just we can jump from one group to the next, go from the deep state to the dark web. They're both they both sound very nefarious. So I'm, I'm on board they, with that. They are. And it's it's all included. You know, do we, have to, do we have to sell supplements now? Is that is that how that works? If we take over from <laughs> got to sell a bunch of supplements, <laughs> health supplements and fitness tips. And because I, I was about to say, I don't think I'd be the poster boy, but then neither was he. So I guess it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I've never seen someone who looked fatter selling something to make you healthy and people bought it. It was the most bizarre thing. Well, you know, also the the strange thing is, is that, I mean, someone could probably look at him and go, what is he on? Oh, it's a supplement. I mean, the, the high That's energy, the, the, the strange behavior, but, but he never seemed to really need coffee. What I always wondered is when I saw him and he's like, yeah, this will make you healthier. This will make you the healthiest you've ever been. And I'm like, what would you look like if you weren't taking that? <laughs> like, would you one of the dudes like attached to your couch because you haven't left? I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a heavy guy, but I mean, he was acting like, you know, this is like the, the greatest thing for health in the history of the world. And it kind of makes me worried because he didn't exactly look like the healthiest guy ever. Uh, he's still out there, though. He's still got his website. So he just got kicked off of uh, all the major platforms. Oh, yeah. I don't think something like that's going to hurt a person like him. If nothing else, his devoted followers are just going to pay a membership fee and then he'll cut out the middleman. Right. Exactly. All, all he's done is left a void of crazy, which I got a feeling. I think I know who's going to fill that far better than us, Kevin, and her name. And she's got one. And technically she's got three, but we're just going to use the one. Omarosa. That's right, because she has a new book coming out, and I guess we are reaching the pivotal mid-season cliffhanger in season two of The Apprentice White House because Omarosa Manigault Newman, that is her three-name whatever, uh, is getting is releasing a tell-all book tomorrow. It comes out. That would be Tuesday for those that are wondering. So far, she has claimed that she is a recording of Trump using the N-word. She's heard one. She says she's heard him use racial slurs against other minorities, including Kellyanne Conway's husband. She's released a recording of John Kelly firing her in the Situation Room, which she is now saying was also false imprisonment. And she claims she was offered $15,000 a month hush money deal. So she would stay quiet about her time in the White House. Trump, not surprisingly, taking the high road. Just kidding. He's attacked her on Twitter, calling her not smart and said that John Kelly called her a loser. Kevin, if Trump only picks the best people, can you imagine what the White House would look like if he picked the worst? Uh, no, no, I really, I really couldn't wrap my head around that one. And I just uh, want to know what category she falls into, where she's the best she's at that the, category. <laughs> you know, people always say that that politicians just take their friends with them when they get into office, yeah. and yeah, I th- I, this seems like one of those examples. Like there had to have been some reason that he picked her. I have no idea. I didn't keep up with anything that she did whatsoever. I have never seen The Apprentice. Uh, apprentice other than uh, the season that started in 2017 at the White House. So I don't I, I have no familiarity with it, but it seems very, very strange that that it's just one thing after another out of this White House. 
And to be honest, after, you know, reading the article that you sent over that you were just referencing and thinking about the continual mess that seems to be coming out of the White House for, you know, I think some of it is very intentional. Um, but I, I, I don't even know which side is right at this point. Well, I think Trump is right in that, well, he was wrong that he hired Omarosa. I mean, this is entirely, I mean, this is the most self-inflicted wound that I've ever seen in the history of the world. This isn't like a ricochet bullet, like he was shooting at something and it ricocheted back and hit him. This is like he put the gun to his temple and pulled the trigger. Like, what are you thinking hiring this woman? Like, she has no qualifications. Her claim to fame is being fired from The Apprentice. She never even won the show. I mean, she has no claim to fame. And all of a sudden she's on the campaign and then all of a sudden she's working in the White House and she was making the, the highest salary you can make. Uh, she apparently was the worst employee ever. So this is entirely self-inflicted. But at the same time, Trump is also right in that they're pr- thinking about pursuing legislation to go after her because, I mean, she taped inside the West Wing. I mean, or inside the Situation Room, which is a complete violation of uh, national security protocol. And so I don't know if you can be charged for that, but it's – it, what was he thinking bringing her in to the White House? And from what I've read, Jonathan Swan's written, written about or written about her a lot and says that a lot of people were terrified of her in the White House. Apparently, she is very intimidating and terrifying in person. And I can see that. I mean, she kind of scares me when I see her on TV. But I mean, this is entire. I mean, what else was going to happen? I mean, and arguably what she's doing right now, she's out trumping Trump. I mean, that's what she's doing. I mean, she's just exaggerating, making up stories, doing everything she possibly can to get attention because she's got a book coming out. I mean, arguably, Donald Trump ran for president in 2016 because he had a book coming out, as he did the previous other presidential cycles. And so who knows? Maybe Omarosa is getting ready to run for president. It's it's possible at this point in politics. Oh, it definitely is. And talking about the book, I mean, how many tell-all books are there generally per administration? I mean, or, or even break it down per four-year increment of a president. There's generally what, maybe one or two per per term, and yeah, well, we're already, we're already knocking on that number two years in. Yeah, I mean, what's really weird is that turnover. People have talked about, and sure, it's a little high, but it's it's how. I mean, the ninety probably I would say ninety-five percent of people that left the Obama administration were pretty happy. It was a mutual separation. It was, everyone seemed pretty happy with it. Everyone that leaves Trump's white house hates him <laughs> and right to tell, except for Spicer. Uh, Omarosa argues that he's getting paid off. That's why he's so nice to him. But um, yeah, what's amazing to me is how bad these splits are with some of the people that leave the white house. I mean, Rex Tillerson, he didn't, you know, he wasn't as straightforward as Omarosa was, but he clearly made some comments that were an attack on the uh, the White House. And it just, it's, it's, it seems like a lot of people that leave are not happy. And that's what's troubling is that everyone seems to leave on really bad terms. And that's not something I don't think the president wants to, <laughs> uh, I mean, he's, he's obviously concerned about that. And then he doubles down by going after her. So she's, I mean, it, seriously, it's, it's, this is the best, this is going to be the best battle because it's really Trump versus Trump. I mean, Omarosa learned everything she learned from Trump. So let's see if the cho- if the student has become the master. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fascinating question. I keep looking back through history trying to I mean, I really have this this belief that that history repeats itself, maybe not directly, but indirectly there's cycles and patterns. And I've been trying to figure out what pattern of American presidential history we are in. 
and I can't figure it out. I mean, I, I don't know a lot about the kind of obscure presidents that were in between times. Maybe we've got Martin Van Buren or something going on right now. <laughs> I have no idea. But this is just – it's just strange. The the way that the the office is being treated, um, not only by, of course, the media, and there's, there's a lot of reasons for that uh, – right and wrong reasons. Um, but just respect for the office, international community. I mean, there's just so many strange things going on. And like you said, everyone who leaves acts like they're leaving a battered relationship and they've not been there that long. I mean, I don't know what they were expecting or what they thought was going to happen. Um, and maybe things are just that volatile inside that, you know, that, that we, we, we just probably won't know exactly what is going on. But I think that part of it is, that we are just seeing a new period in human history. And I don't know if you've seen this or not, Tyler, but there was a computer model that apparently is now predicting that the end of civilization will occur around the year 2040. The program was developed by a team of MIT researchers in 1973, and it appears to have a very dire prediction for life as you and I know it. Coincidentally, this lines up with the insolvency of Medicare and Social Security, not to mention the uh, mounting national debt that we have that's even worse under the, you know, quote, Republican conservative leadership right now. Oh, and we can't forget that the latest Blade Runner movie also takes place in the year 2049. Clearly, all the stars are aligning right here, my friend. Billionaires are buying islands for the apocalypse and Elon Musk is trying to colonize other planets. I'm personally preparing for the worst, you know, cats and dogs living together, just mass hysteria. Tyler, do you think this really will be the end of the world? And do you feel fine? Do we have to wait till 2040? Can we speed it up? Is that, is that possible? <laughs> in, like 20, it's 20? <laughs> like where's that sweet meteor death I'm always being told about. Uh, I mean, but here's the other problem is that are these the same people? I mean, Silicon Valley also thinks that we're living in a holograph holographic universe. That the I mean, this is like a legit theory that a lot of people in Silicon Valley have where they believe that we're like in the Matrix, that this is like a a fake world that has been created. And so do these two overlap is like the argument that like our creators died and we're running on like a generator that runs out in 2040. And so our holographic universe dies or are, or are some admitting that we are actually living in a real world and that that world's going to die and that maybe we could save it by going to a holographic universe. So I have no idea. Um, all I know is, is that hopefully I'll, I'll still be here to see it, <laughs> to see if it comes true or not. But I mean, what is this? I, I mean, how often, and I, I will say this though, I will say this, this is a smart move. Because usually when people make predictions, they make them too soon. So it's like in 20 years. But like, this is a pretty good, well, how far was this, 12 years? I guess it's not that far. Now, I forgot it's 2018. <laughs> so I guess it's 22, 22, years, 22 years. years. So I guess the, guy, the guys and the people predicting it, I guess, could still technically be alive then. But I, what you got to do is you got to make a prediction that's so far out that you might make it to see if it comes true or not. Because what happens is it comes, you know, it, it doesn't happen. And then people are like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. But if you make it like so far in advance, that's that's how you get paid. Just ask L. Ron Hubbard. I mean, that's that's how you start a cult. I mean, that's that's how you do it. But yeah, I have no idea. I, I just want to know if it overlaps with the holographic universe argument that we hear from Silicon Valley. 
Yeah, I, I mean, this particular one does not mention the holographic universe. Uh, it talks specifically about population and planetary resources and things like that, which I've seen so many counter arguments to that, that we are nowhere near peak deprivation of resources on the planet, although battery operated vehicles are doing their best to, to contribute <laughs> to that. The, the thing that I do really think about when I look at something like this, though, is, is I you know, like I said, I always look through history and I try to try to look at how things have gone. And I'm not worried at all about global warming or or man-made, uh, you know, self-destruction through nuclear holocaust or anything like that. That doesn't bother me. But what I really do have some concern about is is how humanity itself is evolving. Like what what's changing? You know, our entire history was built on survival of the fittest, that we had skills and traits and, and that the best went on. And now I feel like with with modern technology and the way resources are allocated and reallocated, it's not the best of the best that are continuing on from an evolutionary perspective, which is good for people like you and I, Tyler. I don't, I don't know that we would be the ones that were successfully able to kill the saber-toothed tiger for dinner. I probably would have not been able to handle that. But you know, how, how is society and humanity as a whole shifting when you look at it just as a species? You know, Replace human with, with a certain ant population. How are we doing? And that is what I'm not so sure. Well, about. you could also argue the idiocracy arg- argument that we're we're all getting dumber because the smarter people in society are having fewer children, and the people that shouldn't be having children are having a lot of children. Um, which is actually, uh, and that, that's why this argument against the overpopulation of the world. First of all, this has been this argument has been made since the '60s. There was a book that came out called The Population Bomb. And everyone assumed that it was true. And actually what we found out this year, that the exact opposite is true. And that probably what's going to destroy a lot of our governments and societies is the lack of children, is the population decline. Because what's happening is pretty much every developed nation in the world is seeing a declining birth rate. Uh, The only, I think the only continent where you're actually seeing an increase in birth rate is Africa. Everything else, that's why if you look at America, We're not talking about illegal Mexican immigration anymore. We're talking about Central America because the Mexican economy has actually improved and their society is getting better and they're having fewer children and there's fewer people that, that, you know, have to sneak over the border and, and pretty soon Central America in about 10 years, not going to worry about them either. And um, I mean, if you actually look at the numbers, it's insane. Like there are some European countries where like native populations like Italians and, and other type of Europeans that they could they could not exist anymore, that they're actually being flooded with immigrants from different countries that it's actually I mean, that like the native like 20, 30 generation families could be wiped out. I mean, just it's the exact opposite of everyone's predicted. And it's so weird that people still are clinging on to this belief that we all thought from the 70s that the world's going to get overpopulated. In fact, we're actually having the other problem. Um, that our governments are facing problems because of declining birth rates. So anyone that says that we're going to we're going to face catastrophe because of overpopulation has not seen any new data in 20 years. So I I don't trust it. Well, I hope you're right. Well, of course, I believe you're right. Let me correct that. I of believe course you I'm are right. right. It's, like, it's not even a question. Um, but so <laughs> that's the optimism for this podcast is that do not worry about those dire predictions. Now, you could be worried about what you were talking about, 
the economy going under because we have so many unfunded liabilities that we're not going to be able to meet the, our, our obligations, mostly because the opposite's happening. Our population is getting smaller. But that's, I don't know, 20, 30 years away. So that could happen, but it won't be because of overpopulation. It'll be underpopulation. But we don't have to worry about that now. We got a couple you know, decades to, to plan for that, which of course we won't. But someone who's having a really, really bad week right now is the North Carolina General Assembly. It's for everyone that doesn't know, we're filming this on Monday or recording it on Monday. It is Monday night and the North Carolina General Assembly is already, I would guess, probably drinking because it has been a rough Monday for them. So it started off with five living ex-governors of North Carolina who congregated at the old Capitol in downtown Raleigh to warn voters about a pair of proposed constitutional amendments that would weaken the governor's office and shift power to legislature Two of the six constitutional amendments uh, they did mention. The proposals, like I said, are two of the six amendments that were scheduled for the ballot this fall, which I believe Governor Cooper is suing over. And right before that presser started, Wake County Superior Court Judge Becky Holt ruled in favor of a Democrat turned Republican, his name is Chris Anglin, uh, who challenged a rule change, a law change by the General Assembly in a special session that actually stripped him of his Republican identification on the ballot. She ruled in his favor. And so both of those were happening almost simultaneously at the beginning of today. And so, Kevin, it's only Monday. To make this week worse, what is likely to happen tomorrow? One, Amazon announces they are coming to North Carolina and gives all the credit to Roy Cooper. Or Charlotte announces another push to allow men in women's bathrooms. Can I have some time to think about that one? <laughs> I don't know. What would be the worst of the two for the GOP the worst? right now? HB2 part two. Um, that, that would, yeah, be, that would yeah. be pretty bad. Um, you know, all of this is really bad news. I mean, well, I say bad news for the legislature. I'm conflicted on all of it, to be honest. I mean, I don't really see the problem with having constitutional amendments and letting, I mean, obviously the people get to vote on them and decide if you make your case for or against them. It's it's not that difficult to, to override or derail a constitutional amendment between now and November, right? Because as we know, in 2016, the populace went out and voted and they were split along party lines. I mean, the lieutenant governor won overwhelmingly as a Republican and the sitting Republican governor yeah. lost. So you can't tell me that the voters are just going to go one way or the other. I don't think any of these are a sure thing. Um, so that being said, I think it's very strange that the governors are now all in this governorship alliance and standing together when – I mean, let's look back at their track records. It's probably a good thing these governors did have more power, right? I mean, can can you name me two good things Beverly Purdue did? I've got time. Um, she didn't run for re-election. <laughs> that was one. That was you get you got halfway there. <laughs> That's and, all I got. <laughs> and McCrory fought the General Assembly the whole time he was there. He wanted more power, yeah. and so they're right. This is power politics. But it's it's a power between it's it's an, a power struggle between two branches, and it's always going to be there. I mean, if you read the the Supreme Court arguments that the State Board of Education had this year against the legislature, or I'm sorry, late last year and earlier this year, um, 
they basically thought they were supposed to be a fourth branch with autonomy and their own power structure. And the courts, you know, ruled that down. But but overall, there's there's just going to be a constant struggle between these different entities. And I think it's kind of silly for the governors to get out and do this personally. But though, is it also, but, but the thing is, is that they're not advocating for the lawsuit to go forward. What they're telling the people is to vote against it. It's like, this is a power grab. And so what I, at least what I like is that what they're doing is what the Democrats should be doing. And that is instead of running to the courts and trying to get them to get the ballots off is convince the people that they shouldn't vote for it. I mean, that's, it's in the people's hands, convince the people why they shouldn't vote for it. Like everything else, it's an election, convince the people. And we've lost so much faith in elections that we don't, we just go, Oh, and we, and both sides do this. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the Republicans, you know, this, this is the Republicans fault, um, at least partially, because, you know, they changed the law to try to give themselves an advantage in the judicial elections and they forgot to, you know, keep the rule that you had to register within 90 days of your party. And so it allowed this guy to kind of sneak in and follow the law. And there's, of course, that guy won this lawsuit. I mean, there's no way the Republicans look so bad in doing that. Uh, now, with the constitutional amendment, I'm completely I, – I, is, is, I don't think the governor should sue. I think the governor should make an argument that – you shouldn't vote for it and trust the people. And it's like both sides, the, the, the Republicans are arguing that guy has to have a Democrat next to his name because listen, if you do any research on Chris Angle, you know, he's a Democrat. His campaign is being run by a Democrat. Uh, his attorney fighting this case is a, is a hardcore, well-known Democrat. He was a Democrat his whole life up until like three weeks ago. The guy's a Democrat. Let hope the voters know that. But assuming that they don't is not trusting them. And it's the same thing the Democrats are doing. We can't put this on the ballot. They're going to trick these dumb voters. And it's like both parties have no faith in the electoral process. And it just – it's like, guys, you're in elected office. Let them vote. <laughs> let the people vote. You're insulting everybody. And so just – I think let them vote. And and so think whatever you want about the governors – but at least what they're doing is arguing, hey, don't vote for these things. They're not saying like we back. I don't know. Actually, I, I don't know if anyone did. I just saw the comments from McCrory, but I don't know if anyone said that they backed the lawsuit, but it seemed like they were just basically highlighting, hey, don't vote for these amendments, which I, I'm fine with. That's what you're supposed to do. Convince the people not to vote for it, but let the people at least don't at least have faith in the people. Have, have faith in the people, Tyler. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I completely agree with you on that one. Um, you know, and, and, and my question also is, do you think that in this uh, Supreme Court nominee or not nominee, uh, uh, candidate challenge that really the legislature just got outfoxed? I mean, I think this is it's always a game. Right. And I think that the Democrats are inevitably better at the game than Republicans are. I think it's debatable, but I think this time they got outplayed. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, they clearly were like, we're going to get rid of the primaries and we're going to get all these Democrats. Let's face it. There was an argument that the Republicans were trying to get Democrats to what they were doing. And this is what's ingenious about the Democrats is the Republicans are thinking, what we're going to do is we're going to get a bunch of Democrats to run and have like 10 people on the ballot and we'll win by default. 
And the Democrats took it a step further. I mean, they like they I mean, I mean you got to take your hat off to them. They got a Democrat to turn into a Republican and run for the ticket. <laughs> and you're just like, man, that is ingenious. You just got to say, listen, I, I'm very upset about us losing even more of the majority. Now it's going to be a five to two advantage for the Democrats. But my gosh, that was brilliantly played. And they did it kind of on the fly. You know, the Republicans spent God knows how much time coming up with the strategy. And then just like that, they were, I mean, it's like Sun Tzu. I mean, they adapted so quick and uh, it's probably going to cost the Republicans a Supreme Court seat. But it's yeah, it is a game. It's unfortunate because we're talking about like important issues, but it's a game at the same time, too. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and Tyler, I did want to bring up before we uh, we're, we're getting towards the end of the show. And I wanted to tell people about the awesome job that you have done on the website redesign. So oh, if you haven't you. been. Yeah. Yeah. My friend, if you haven't been to tavernvoices.com, you need to check out Tyler's handiwork. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I uh, it was I think two weekends ago. I, I, I think I spent all day Saturday working on that thing. And um, it was just making sure it worked out and everything, but no, I like it. I do. I think it's far more, I think it's very seamless. And uh, just so everyone does know, it does say the Tyler Crawley podcast that will be starting soon. I will have my own podcast. Uh, I'm working my way up to it, figuring out how to do it, you know, with all my other responsibilities, but that will be starting soon. So that will make sense as to why that is there on the website. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's, what's exciting. Cause we are building a, an, an entire podcast network. I'm going to get my rear back in gear and get the Kevin King show back up. I've already started lining up some more episodes. We're going to have the tower Crawley show up there or the tower Crawley podcast. Um, we've got uh, a couple other things in the works along with obviously tavern voices, which you're listening to now. So Definitely stay tuned to that. And when you check out the new website, you really need to check out a great journalist out of Asheville that we've been working with for months now. Uh, his name is Roger McCready. He's a longtime friend of mine. Um, he has a, a investigative journalistic background, and he's got an entire section on the Tavern Voices website, which is called Inquiring Minds, which uh, posts all of his articles on there. And he also runs his own site called Inquiring Minds. Um, but today he had a great story that I've just got to touch on before we before we wrap up. It's regarding the World Equestrian Games, which is taking place in Tryon, North Carolina in less than a month. This prestigious international event is said to bring some serious ballers with a week-long pass costing at least $1,400 per person. That's just to, that's just to go to check out the, the events. They actually even have a day pass. Total side note, but the day pass was like $40 a day. That doesn't even get you into the events. You just get to walk around the little complex and check out the vendors. But anyway... Like every great event, it's going to cost taxpayers dearly. Right now, Buncombe County, which is where Asheville is located, has already ponied up more than $650,000 in, quote, advertising for the event. Using economic incentives math, that's going to be, you know, roughly $50 billion in return, I'm sure, for the Asheville area in tourism. Tyler, do you think this investment, if you want to call it that, was complete ineptitude or conscious cronyism? Those are some awesome choices. Uh, but so often, whenever it comes to things like that, that's that's what it is. Um, and you know, the thing that really upsets me about this and, you know, whether it's, you know, what what's happening right now with the what, what is it? The equestrian like Olympics. What's the what's the official name of it? 
It's it's the World Equestrian World Games. World Equestrian Games. WEG. And WEG, if you want to WEG. call it that. And, you know, whether it's that, whether it's a baseball stadium, we were looking at building one of those here in Wilmington, is that it's not so much that they're not bad ideas. Like, I think everyone in Wilmington would have loved a baseball stadium. I think this event could be a great thing for Western North Carolina. But it's the they overhype it so much and they sell it in a way that like, yeah, that could happen if everything goes perfect and everything goes exactly the way that we think it's going to go. We're going to get what we're telling you. And it never does. It never does. And so if, and also I think there also needs to be some truthfulness to it. You know, if someone goes, Hey, listen, we're going to build a baseball stadium and we are going to lose money, but it would be a great thing for Wilmington and the people want it and the government's supposed to do things people want to do. And so I think that and they were just honest, but they know that if they said that no one would vote for it. So they always make up these, Oh, it's going to bring an X amount of dollars. It's going to be this huge, awesome, amazing thing. And we're going to make money and we're going to hand over fist. We're never going to have to pay taxes again. Cause this is going to pay for all of it. And it never, and, and that's what I have. That's the biggest problem I have is that, they never are just honest that like, we just think that this would be cool. And, and usually it is, it's upper income individuals that would take advantage of it because it's usually, you know, like we built a, the local community college down here in Wilmington built a uh, fine arts center and they have, you know, shows and things there. Uh, but a lot of times it's, I guarantee the majority of people never go there, but yet we're subsidizing it. And so it sounds awful, but yeah, a lot of times these things you're subsidizing rich people's hobbies or rich people's uh, weekends, but that's not a horrible thing because you could argue if those rich people, you know, like like building a fine arts center, it's a little different than a one-time event. But if you're doing things that rich people want to do, then they'll move to your area and then you get tax revenue off of them. So there's an indirect benefit, but they never want to say that because then it sounds like, Hey, everyone, we're all going to pool your taxpayer money together to pay for rich people stuff. But that's really what it is. But they can't say that truthfully. So instead, they make up these arguments about how great it's going to be for the economy. And it never is. It never lives up to the hype ever. Um, so you're so you're saying that this six hundred and fifty thousand dollars that was uh spent by the now former county uh, manager of Buncombe, Wanda Green, who is under federal indictment for misappropriation of somewhere near $4 million of public funds. Maybe maybe there's something else going on there that they weren't up front about? Well, I'm not saying that. I have no idea. Maybe this could be a part of what some of the charges that she's facing. Allegedly. 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 Sorry. Allegedly. Well, no, she, well, she's facing the charges. I mean, she's it's not allegedly. <laughs> she is facing the charges. It's alleged whether she did it or not. But, you know, the, it, it's not always, you know, straight up kickbacks. A lot of times people make that argument that it's always kickbacks are involved. It's not. I, I just think it's a lot of times people in politics, uh, they're wealthy uh, or they want to be wealthy. And so they do things that benefit the wealthy population, um, but they just can't come out and say that because you could never say that in politics. That's like the worst thing you could ever say. So they come up with like, oh, no, the general population's going to love equestrian sports it's like most people have probably have no idea what equestrian means the idea that you're gonna have all these like regular people going to this event is ridiculous and so i i don't know i don't think she got any kickbacks or anything but i think she just said hey wouldn't it be great if all these rich people were here and instead of just saying that they're like oh it's gonna be great for the economy which it never is 
Well, I will encourage everyone to go check it out because uh, the article on Tavern Voices, that is not necessarily the world of Questioner Games, especially since the $1,500 tickets are sold out. Um, but <laughs> there is one good part of – there's many good parts of the article, but there is a picture – that is included. And they say a picture paints a thousand words. And so far, all of the press releases and all of the hoopla about this event have shown, uh, you know, these these horses and their owners and all of this prestige. And you really need to go over there and check out what the photo they got was. And let me tell you, it's it's not this nice, um, I will say completed uh, equestrian center. So people are going to want to check that out. And before we end, though, Tyler, there's one last thing I'd ask you about, because after all, what would a Tavern Voices podcast be without the mention of the words Tiger Woods? <laughs> I, I did not get to see much of yesterday, but I heard that he played oh. a heck of a round of golf. Uh, so fill us in on that. Oh, I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. It was it was like I was transported back to the 90s. Uh, yeah, Tiger put on a show. And here's the most amazing thing. Tiger Woods shot his lowest uh, final round in a major championship ever in his entire career, even back when he was like dominating the world, he shot a 64, uh, and he actually had his lowest 18 round, uh, or excuse me, 72 hole total. Uh, even when he was breaking all those records back in the day, the course was playing, you know, maybe a little easier for a major than some others were. I think Kepka finished at 16 and Tiger was at 14, somewhere around there. He won by two shots. But what was amazing is Tiger shot a 64, and was scrambling. I mean, so he could have shot if, if, if he was driving the ball straight, he might have shot a 59. I mean, that's how well that he was playing. I mean, he, he was throwing up darts. He was making putts, but he was his driver. He was spraying his driver and he actually didn't hit a fairway. The first nine holes, he didn't hit one fairway. He went over wow. seven on the front nine and still was like two or three under. And so if he was hitting the ball straight off the tee, who knows what he would have done. But the real takeaway is that he finished solo second. He contended at the British Open. He was in the lead at one point. Uh, Tiger's back. The big cat is back. I am so excited for 2019. Everyone's saying he's going to be the Ryder Cup captain's choice pick. So we're going to see him perform. I think I my prediction, I made it this morning on my radio show. My prediction, he has a perfect Ryder Cup, which means that every match he plays, he's going to win in the Ryder Cup in September uh, because I think he's in a better place mentally. I think he's he's happier he was so appreciative of the fans in Missouri. Like, I, I don't know. I just think I think that he's in a better place. I can't wait for 2019. I am definitely going to be putting some money on uh, Tiger at the Masters. Just kidding. Gambling's bad. Don't do it, especially in North Carolina. It's against the law. But, no, I mean, I, I can't wait for 2019. Uh, I feel like Tiger's almost there. And, I mean, the fact that he came in – the guy's 42 years old. And the announcer said that it would be the greatest comeback in sports – if Tiger were to be, I mean, basically, I mean, last year at this time, he wasn't even taking full golf swings because of his back surgery. He didn't know if he'd ever play again. And yesterday he finished second at the uh, last major for the year. And, if, and the thing is, Kepka played amazing. I mean, it, <laughs> I don't know if you could, I don't know if Tiger could have beat that. I mean, he played so amazing. So it's like he basically beat the field, except for the fact that Kepka just like, <laughs> I mean, Kepka probably should have been 20 under. I mean, he missed a bunch of putts. So I'm just really excited for 2019 because I feel like Tiger's back and it's exactly what golf needs right now. And I think these young guys, uh, they're there. And what's amazing is they're rooting for it too. A lot of these young guys grew up watching Tiger and they would have loved to play against Tiger in his prime. And it might not be Tiger in his prime, but it, it it's, it's, it's going to be pretty awesome next year. So I'm looking forward to 2019 yesterday. If yesterday was the sign of things to come, 
2019 is going to be off the hook. That's awesome, man. Like I said, I hate I missed uh, most of it. And, and so I knew we'd have to, to talk about it a little bit. But um, is there anything else, you know, pressing that, that you think we need to, to, to get out here? We've got all this extra Alex Jones bandwidth. So we, we shouldn't <laughs> waste it. That is true. I mean, that's well, I'm afraid, though, if we say too much, uh, we might say something dumb like, you know, the the water's turning the frogs gay and then we're going to get banned. So maybe we should just. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should just end it there. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I couldn't think of a word for end. So that just that's when I start not being able to come up with, with words. That's when it's time to, to end. The well, whole maybe thing. next week uh, you can save up a few more words between now and then that way you uh that way you don't run out and uh we'll do it all over again i used him up this morning all right come on <laughs> all right man we'll uh we'll, we'll see you next week and try to try to keep a few extra for us <laughs> will do